time now for another episode of Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith alongside Paul Perillo. Pleased to be joined by number 70 on your scorecard, but number one in our hearts, at least today, Paul. Absolutely. Um, He's right next to me. Yeah, and you better be careful. Yeah. And that's Logan Mankins. Logan, thanks for coming in. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, really appreciate it. Um, all right, Logan, when we start these with everybody, because I don't, I mean, like, maybe people know what some expatriates are doing. But I think there's a lot of people that go, Logan Mankins, where is he these days? Yeah. What are you up to? I think fans would love to know that. Well, I'm still here in New England. We live in uh, North Atterborough still, just down the road from Foxborough. And we have a little farm, and we raise beef cattle, hay, firewood, all that kind of fun stuff. Why is a California, Northern California yeah. kid, what is it about New England? Because I think, and I'm being very stereotypically mm -hmm. stereotypical here, I think people would be surprised. Patriot fans would go, okay, his career's over. Finish it in Tampa. He's going to go back to Northern California at some point in time. Why still New England? I mean, I, and yeah. this is somebody who loves New England has lived here his entire life. Yeah, well, we had lived here for nine years before I got traded, and then the timing of the trade was uh, school was about to start, so my wife and kids stayed here, and I went there just for the season at Tampa. And then we did that. Then I came back after the season – and uh, my daughter was in high school, so we didn't want to make the, her move uh, while she was in high school. So I went to Tampa for the season again, and they stayed here. And then uh, by the time I retired, uh, we, were, we just made the decision that our oldest is in high school. Let's let her finish high school. And then she was graduating high school. Our next one was coming into high school. So we just made the decision to stay here and make this our forever place. So that's great. Yeah. Cause I was one of those that I would have said, yeah, you know, Logan Mankins, he'll be back on the, the ranch out. And it was at Kathy's Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy's Valley, California. I figured you'd be long gone and hard to find. And then I show up at Bishop Fian. <laughs> Matt. Yeah. You know, and so for Logan, one of those classic Bishop Fenwick, Bishop Fian tilts. Right. In the Catholic Central League. Right. So and there's Logan Mankins. Yeah. So, Logan, Paul's office is now next to mine. <laughs> and I'm regaled weekly with, you know, how great Fenwick is. Fenwick kicked his team's ass, blah, blah, blah. And he tells me, he goes, oh, you wouldn't believe this. I ran into Logan Mankins. Other than Brewski, who we know is obnoxious on the sidelines, is True. Paul the most obnoxious <laughs> parent of a kid that you've run into at a high school game? And he's got to be, right? Well, I don't know. I don't get to see him during the game, but he's uh, always very gracious and defeat. So, well, see, he's he, he's being kind. I usually bitch about the referees for about a half hour, uh, but it was funny. This is this is uh, a kind of a funny story. So last year, when uh, Logan's son Case Mankins is a tremendous two-way player for Bishop Fian and. My older son, Will, they're the same same age. Not as tremendous a two-way player for Fenwick, but he, he, he does well. So we're at Fenwick two years ago, and it was one of those games where I was, you know, hell-bent for leather. Like, if I could have found an official in the parking lot, <laughs> things could have been bad. And uh, I, I see Logan after the game. I go, did you see that hold they missed in that touchdown? And Logan goes... And in holding if they don't call it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but spoken, he was spoken like a true offensive lineman. Someone right, holds right. every play. But what was great was is my friends are constantly, as you probably get a lot of this, they're constantly busting my balls. Oh, oh, big tough Paul. Like, oh, he talks to Tom Brady. He talks to Teddy Bruschi. Uh, oh, why don't you tell? Where, where's all your boys? Where's Mankins? Where's all your boys? So, don't you know Logan comes over at the end of the game? You talk about being gracious in defeat gracious in victory he comes over after the game says goodbye to my wife and i and i get the bro hug i got a little bro hug in there which you like to make fun of me about for being love a fraud it. love it so 
all of my friends now looking like, wow, you really do know those guys. I go, what do you think? I worked there for 20 years and never <laughs> yeah. met anybody. Right. <laughs> so it was, uh, it, it's been kind of nice. Um, Case played some basketball last, uh, last winter. So I bumped into Logan a few times and he was here in Foxborough at the draft party too. So he's been around. And, yeah. and Logan, and I'm, I can verify Paul because Paul was saying this to me when he came back. He goes, you're not going to believe it. And I'm not surprised. He goes, I think Patriots fans would not be surprised as well. Regular guy, nice guy, parent who isn't screaming and yelling um, and swearing at the referees <laughs> like most of the other parents are. Fian hoodie. Right. With his a hat, probably just like that. Was it Draper Farms? Yeah. Draper yeah Farms. You know, a heart, you would not have any idea that this is a you know decade-long NFL player what, 10-plus years, uh, NFL player with the amount of uh, Pro Bowls and All-Pros. and all, You would have no idea just sitting in the stands watching his kid just like everybody else. Right, and I hope this doesn't come across in a way it's sort of, as I'm saying, thinking about in my mind, that somebody could take it as an insult, and I hope it would never be that way. But Logan, as the second greatest guard in yeah. franchise history, you're are you okay being behind John Hanna? Yeah, that's fine. Who, by the way, I <laughs> spent some time. It wouldn't change my life any if you <laughs> right. said I was first or tenth. <laughs> no, so I get it. I'd still be the same. So. Uh, but uh, you, I don't know if you ever had a chance to really, you know, watch Hannah or anything like that yeah, during a little the days. Bit. And I, I spent some time with John a couple summers ago down on his cattle farm down yeah. in Alabama. Crusty, great patriot, <laughs> and great guy. I think you guys would connect. Yeah, I've um, met him a few times, and yeah. we uh, would swap stories, and it was it was great meeting him and hearing all the great things he had to talk about. And he, he just started water. yelling at you about not running the ball enough? It's all no. he ever does to us. Well, he, he said he liked running the ball because he didn't like to pass block. And that pass blocking is pretty tough, so especially against the talent they have nowadays. He loved watching you play. He loved watching you play. And I would say as an outsider, for somebody to get a stamp of approval from somebody like John Hanna, that means a lot more than Paul Perillo or Matt Smith or any any other Tom, Dick, and Harry because there's a legit guy, well, and he yeah. loved watching you play. Yeah, and John, he was respected by everyone, his teammates, his opponents, other coaches. So that's always what I wanted. If they wrote I was good in the paper, that was great, but I wanted my teammates. I wanted to earn their respect, and I wanted opponents not to want to play me. So that's how it was. Did you think uh, when you were coming out, did you think you were going to be a first-round pick? I didn't know. I Everyone told me probably a second rounder. And it, w it was funny. The day of the draft, I was – we had a – me and my wife had a little apartment in Fresno, and we had a little draft party, and just people kept showing up more and more. Like my dad, he's a – he likes to have a good time, so he was <laughs> inviting everyone he saw, whether he knew them or not. So that was always great. Doesn't make him a bad guy. No, but we're, <laughs> we're sitting there, and uh, my offensive – coordinator from Fresno was uh one of his best friends was with the 49ers and he calls me he goes I just talked to my best friend they're taking you with the 33rd pick I was like oh sweet right down the road from here and then uh, I was like hold on someone else is calling me and I click the phone over and it was Scott Pioli he's like we're taking you right now I was like oh okay yeah. so it, it was great I was uh I think I was very fortunate to come here I'm it worked out the best to come here. I'm glad that the Niners weren't picking 32 and <laughs> the Patriots were. So you obviously it did work out. You were part of a, a, a lot of wins here, and you had a great career. Did you think it at the time? You know, like you were so close to being close to home, mm -hmm. and now you have to go to New England, which I can't tell you how many players will tell you. I didn't really even know where New England was because they think it's a state and not a, a region. 
what were you thinking about the culture, you know, the, both the culture with the team and the culture shock of going from West Coast to East Coast? Yeah, I, I wasn't, like you said, totally uh, aware of, they said New England, I was like, okay, that's on the East Coast, but I didn't know it was like right outside of Boston. I didn't know where the stadium was or Foxborough or any of that stuff. And guys are like, oh, you're going to go play with Tom Brady. And I'm like, uh, I'm not even sure who Tom Brady really is, right? I didn't watch that much NFL football. I didn't, I up until the, my senior year of high school, I loved watching NFL football. And then once I got to college, I kind of stopped paying attention and had many other things going on. So, Is that because you – is it because it was so much for you to play, it took so much physically, mentally, and everything like that, that when the time came that you had, quote, your own time or downtime or however you want to call mm -hmm. it, I got other things I need. I want to do that interest me rather than sit and watch this because I'm living and I'm, you know, at a Division One school, you're working. It's a job. Yeah, and uh, and the schedule kind of makes it that way. So in college, you play on Saturday, Sunday you go in for lifting, you watch the game, and you have your conditioning. So that's most of your Sunday while NFL football is on. So you can watch games on Monday night and Sunday night, but other than that during the day you were usually busy so we didn't watch a lot of it and as I got older in college we had uh I already had my first daughter and everything like that so the longer I was in college the more responsible I had to start becoming <laughs> and we had a lot of uh other things to do to support her and my future wife so so when you, when you were drafted it was you know tackle out of Fresno State mm -hmm. and then you got here and almost immediately it was guard yeah. Did you know that, that you would be a guard, or was that something that Bill had talked to you about beforehand? Or? No, I assumed it was going to happen. So my coach at Fresno was Pat Hill, yep. and I got invited to the East-West in the Senior Bowl. And he goes – he was an O-line coach for, for Cleveland or yes. Baltimore, one of those. Yep. Yeah, with Bill. And he goes, I think uh, the best thing for you to do is go to these two All-Star games, go to both of them, and just play guard at both of them. Tell them you don't want to play tackle. I was like, all right. So I took his advice, and when I got there, I said, I'm playing guard, not tackle. And then – because he said I was going to get moved to guard. That's what his opinion was. So when I got here, I just assumed I was going to guard, and that's where they told me to go. So, And it was day one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, – yeah, the first day, always guard. Was that but I did play tackle a couple games. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to that. get to that. We're going to get to that. We're going to forget about that athletic ability. I mean, the transition, <laughs> the transition from uh, college to pro is obviously a big transition. Oh, yeah, What very was the big. transition position-wise? Did you think that that was a big deal, guard to tackle? Right, I didn't think it was until I did it. Okay. It's, uh, so a guard, everything is way faster. Like Everyone is lined up closer to you. Everything happens faster. The guys aren't as fast as you're going against at tackle. But you have more time before they get to you to set everything up. And the guys inside are way bigger, way stronger. I thought guard was a lot more physical. The few games I played at tackle, I felt awesome after the game. Whereas guard, you feel it's you, like you a car guy's right here. He's up. 280 to 350 every time, just bam, bam, bam. So I think, uh, and Paul, help me on this if you agree with me or not. I think fans look at offensive line and maybe other than center – where there's an alleged, you know, the the center quarterback exchange, that needs to happen and it's got to be consistent. But I think fans look at offensive linemen and maybe other than left tackle, I think they think they're all the same. Yeah. And when you see and there's current players on this team and around the league, hey, you know, we, 
recognize you've got position versatility. Oh, we like the fact that you can play guard or play tackle. And I think fans think that it's just interchangeable. And can get on a guy, oh, jeez, why is he, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not as interchangeable as maybe us dummy fans like to think. Is that a fair statement? Oh, definitely. It takes uh, for a guy to be able to do multiple positions. Well, between guard and tackle, not so much center and guard. But for a person to be able to do guard and tackle, they they got to understand the game very well and have uh, a lot of athletic ability, which they already do. But, I mean, like position – I don't know how to really pronounce it or say it, but they've got to be able to flip all that in their mind all the time. you got to be smart. Definitely got to be smart to be able to do both of them because it's different ways and techniques to do both those spots. Now, did you have to move sides? At all? No, thankfully I never. You always stuck on the left side, okay. <laughs> which was nice because I was always right-handed, and then once I got to Fresno, I always played on the left side. And once you get stuck, for me personally, once I got in that left-handed stance, it, that was the only one I was ever going to be able to do again. <laughs> I get in a right-hand stance and I feel funky. When you got here, Logan, um, you know, rookie first rounder, so you come with that kind of baggage. When I mean, mm. oh, here's a guy got a guarantee, blah blah blah. Who? Is there somebody that you can think of that helped you the most to help make that transition to NFL offensive linemen from college? How do you recall that rookie year and who helped you along? And Because I think what people say now, they consider they, – they don't remember it, but they should remember it. We're talking about a plug-and-play guy. Absolutely. Like, That's drafted, what I said from day one. started mm-hmm. just like that. And then again, another thing I think, oh, anybody can do it. No, nobody, not everybody can do it. You have to be a Logan Mankins kind of person to do it. Well, there was a lot of bumps in the road. It wasn't always beautiful. I remember getting yelled at plenty of times. and Not by Scar. Scar, Bill, whoever you can think of in there. But <laughs> uh, I let Tom get hit plenty of times. But uh, you learned as you go. And by the halfway part point of the season, I felt pretty comfortable in what I was doing. And it wasn't as bad as those first few games. But uh, – there was lots of guys that helped. First of all, I had an awesome O-line coach that was uh, – I'm so lucky and fortunate to play for him. I wouldn't have wanted to play for anyone else. So I had that going for me. I had a lot of older guys in our room that they were here to win, like Matt Light, Copen, Neil. Those guys, that's all they wanted to do was win. And they – just because you were a rookie didn't mean anything. They would help you. You were their teammate. So that was awesome. There was like, we didn't have rookie hazing and crap like that. Uh, we were all there for one purpose. Uh, Matt was awesome. I remember we got here and was that rookie camp or OTAs or something. And uh, he invited my wife and our children over to meet his wife and children just to make the whole transition easier. So having guys like that in your locker room makes life a lot easier when you're already dealing with stuff you have no idea. You're learning every day as you go as a rookie. So having older guys that are willing to help you is great. So I found it interesting when you said, you know, you got drafted by the Patriots and, well, you're going to go and block for Tom Brady. And you're like, I'm not really even yeah. sure who Tom <laughs> Brady is. How long did it take you to sort of realize that he was a little different than just the other team's starting quarterbacks? And what was it like sort of getting indoctrinated into that? Well, it was great. Uh, Tom, he's a special player, as everyone already knows, but he's also a special leader and a special guy. He was a great teammate to have. You you wanted a block for the guy. The coaches wanted you to make every block for him, and just uh, that makes it so much better when you really respect and you like the guy and 
you know he cares about you and you care about him and that's why we wanted to make the blocks for him we didn't do it just because it was our job we actually liked and respected him and wanted him to do good so but there was lots of guys on this team I didn't know anything about I remember my rookie year Richard Seymour was here mm-hmm. and he was holding out and I was like who's this guy everyone's talking about well, I found out the first day he came back. <laughs> he was a handful, so I, I, I got a lot of welcome to New England moments. <laughs> what was what was that like lining up against Richard Seymour when he comes back? Oh, it was. I still didn't know who he was, but I or what he did. But I was like, "Damn, this guy is big! What the heck?" And then, of course, where he lines up every day for practice is right over me. And the first one I won, he ran me over. I was like. Holy shit. I better <laughs> better figure out how to block guys like this. And then we went to the first game and I was like, oh man, everyone's not like Tenano him. Not as good as him. <laughs> I was like, thankfully not everyone's like this guy. Does it uh did it not surprise you, Logan? I mean, it took him probably a little longer than I think maybe he wanted or some of the people that were closest to him. But is it no surprise to you after getting knocked on your ass by Richard yeah. Seymour that he's in the professional football hall of fame? Oh yeah. There's he should have been there. There's no question. He was special talent. Uh, not everyone has got his ability so tall and long, and he's strong and athletic, and he had the right mentality, and he he was just a very good player. He was smart, too. So maybe playing here his first, I don't know, however many years when he was asked to take on double teams and not get the sack numbers, that probably uh, slowed him down. But as far as impacting the game, he made a big impact, and I know he helped me too because I practiced against him every day for like four or five, six years, something like that. And we had lots of fights and all kinds of stuff. But when we got to the locker room, we we always talked about how to. Uh, I would ask him what he looked at sometimes, and he would ask me like, "How do you get the hands off and this kind of thing and that thing?" Just from guys that uh, a different point of view than a coach's point of view, like the guy that's actually doing it. So. I always had a lot of respect for him. You talked about being, you know, selfless and you know, like Richard was, but you obviously displayed that. You talked about don't forget that you played tackle a little bit. Matt's got, you know, that the anecdote from Dante about well, the, you know, the day that you had to play tackle like on a moment's notice. So we yeah. were we were um this was your first year. Both Paul and I are kind of embarrassed about it, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't want to put words in Paul's mouth, but we're part of the Hall of Fame committee okay. to select people to get on the ballot. And then legitimately, when the people get on the ballot, it's a fan vote, mm-hmm. you know? And as you can imagine, skill position guys, you know, are going to get oh, the yeah. fan vote. But this is the first year that you were um, on that ballot. Yep. And so it's part of one of the things that I do here is, hey, who can, who's a great person as an ambassador for Richard Seymour, for Ty Law, for Teddy Bruschi? For Logan Mankins, that can really speak to who that person was as a player and why they deserve to be. Why do they think they would be a great Patriot Hall of Famer? And, of course, we went to Dante. And so we're talking to Dante, and he's giving you all the platitudes that you could think of that Dante would give you. Nobody tougher. Comparing you as somebody who did coach. He wasn't maybe an offensive line coach, but he was on the team when Hannah was here. Yeah, he was. So it's not blasphemy for him to mention your name. Mm. And to me, that's, that's an awful lot of credibility. But we stop after one point. All right, Dante, that was great. He goes, I'd like to say one more thing. This is really important to me. And he talked about, again, how selfless you were and the fact that, I don't know, I guess it was light probably who got hurt and you're playing the Ravens. And you're, he, hey, guess what, Logan, you're playing tackle this week. And that's the Ravens with Terrell Suggs and somebody like that. And he talked about how you 
nearly pitched a shutout that game, but that you were pissed on one particular play that maybe Suggs got a hand up or maybe like sort of swept and knocked Tom down. And he talked about how pissed you were about that. And he goes, you know, it's okay for the quarterback to get rid of the ball too, Logan. Don't blame that one on you. But that's how he thought, that's how he felt about you. Do you remember that game in that week and having to kick out? Yeah, I still remember. I shouldn't have got beat on that one. I just went set a little too far. I got feeling too comfortable, and he got me on it up and under. But, uh, yeah, those games we – I actually liked going out to tackle every now and then. Just, I don't know. It was fun just to change it up every now and then. But that was the second time. The first time I played tackle, I didn't find out till like, 20 minutes before the game. So that one was a little tougher. But the one against the Ravens was nice because I actually got to practice all week at tackle. So that was a lot better. But it was, I like tackle. It was fun. What was, what was the other one? Uh, Miami, Miami at home. Okay. And then one time I had to play the second half, I think, against the Texans or something. So but I, I was the backup tackle. It amazes me. Like, what does he say? Like, yeah, I got I set too set wide. Too I got I got uh, up and under. It like it was probably twenty years ago at this point. Like exactly. Uh, you, it, you remember your bad plays. It amazes you don't remember me. the good ones. Oh, I can tell you about the tape measure home runs I allowed in college. But <laughs> you know, we don't have to get to that. That's another podcast for a different time. Right. Um, just you know, the, again, I want to stay with the the teammate and the selflessness and the season you played on a torn ACL. Well, you know, Philip Rivers played a, a quarterback, you know, in the AOC championship game against you guys on a torn yeah. ACL. And I think it was one of the more heroic performances I've seen. You played a, a whole season like that. I like, how do you, how do you do that? Uh, I don't know. I, they said maybe I was loose to, used to having a loose knee or something. I don't know, <laughs> but I had to wear one of those weird braces for most of the year. And, uh, it hurt for the first couple of games and then it just kind of went away. So, and then after the season, we went and saw the doctor, and he's like, this thing's been torn a long time. <laughs> oh, so you didn't realize it until... We didn't know it was fully torn. It's one of those don't the ask, The doctors don't tell. just kind of <laughs> shook it around and said, well, what do you think? And I was like, well, let me give it a shot this week at practice. And he's like, all right. And then I got through drills. I was like, we'll just go with it. And he's like, all right, well, we need to get it checked out later. So, See, people think that sometimes you overstate just how matter of fact people are about things this is logan mankin this is how he was in the locker room after games he would talk about you know the game plan and what what they did well and it was the same level of intensity and just matter of fact everything you know well you know what do you think yeah i, well, I can give it a shot at practice let's see if i could play he had a torn acl right and it's like it's his job it's, right. it's no big deal i'm just going to go out and get the job done do you get embarrassed when you hear that logan like people like paul and i want to heap praise on you for that you're an offensive lineman you probably don't give a sugar about like yeah that's what i was supposed to do well everyone loves to be praised but i do get embarrassed when it's in front of me <laughs> i'd rather you and guys talk mean, about yeah. me when i'm not around i don't yeah, mean yeah, I to it. embarrass you believe me no, I, and I know i'm that. not like you know i've been i've been matt and i've been here for over 20 years so it's like right. you know it it's not like the wide-eyed Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live, like, oh, yeah. that was awesome. You know, when, I'm right. not in awe, of, no, know you know, but, but that's an awesome. That's an awe-inspiring that's, season. Yeah. Most people, sadly, today at work have the sniffles, and they're down that's for three true. days. Do you know what I mean? Especially and, me. And so when somebody says, no, it's important to go to work, and I might not be feeling 100%, mm-hmm. but I still think I can do my job. 
It's that's different. Yeah, that's well. I think people used to ask me why I did it, and I was like, well, my dad always said, if you can go to work, you go to work, and he always joked to uh, just tape an aspirin to it, and you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> did you try it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, it was it was fine. It it hurt for a while, then it went away, and then it just uh, you. I really noticed it as the season went on. There was no more squatting in the weight room. Like that stuff was not happening anymore. Or if you like tried to walk down an incline, you could feel your knee sliding. But so thankfully, the football fields aren't inclined. Mm. So I, to worry I, about. I think you know your league is is filled with really really tough players. And like oh, I yeah. I mean I see what you guys go through. I. I remember the year that Algie Crumpler was here. I don't know if you guys crossed. I, I yeah, forget the timeline, but what he went through to play every week was ridiculous. And you could see the toughness. But I think a lot of people in your situation, Logan, would have said, this is my career. I have a finite amount of time to earn money. Mm-hmm. And if I play in a torn ACL, it might affect my performance. It could affect my salary down the line. They're going to probably look to you know, make me take a haircut next year. Or if I'm going to be a free agent, but yet you – put all that aside and just said no I have a job to do and I'm going to go out and do it well I was fortunate I had just signed a big contract and then all the that mo- played into all the it more too, reason I did to I always sit, made fun of right? the guys around the league that would get this big deal and then they would get hurt and I was like this is what people do and, the, and those guys are tough too like I'm in not- our locker room I would make fun of guys like that <laughs> and so then I'm possibly hurt not 100% knowing if I'm hurt or not and I'm like well, I, I don't want to be that guy that I've been ragging on for my whole career already. Right. You don't <laughs> want to be a fraud. Yeah. Right. And up until that point, I'd, what was that, my sixth year? I'd never missed a practice or a game. So I was like, I can't, can't start getting hurt now. Right. But then I did get a few practices off that year. So, so then, Logan, that was nice of Bill. <laughs> is, is that all part of maybe your principle and your values? Because I do think Patriot fans remember that you wanted to take a stand. You felt like the Paul help me out on the language of it, you know, with a rookie contract or something yeah. like that. Right. You got. I mean, you got screwed. I mean, let's it say was, like you, you you're going to be a, a free agent, and then that uncapped year came in. I think in ten, something yeah, like that. And right after nine, and they changed the the minimum years for you know mm-hmm. went up to six years, and that's what led to your yeah hold on. led to a argument and a holdout. So, but in that case, you're you're not doing anything different than playing on a torn ACL, it's, I'm here to do a job. Wait a minute, I'm here to do a job, but why are the rules changing on him? This yeah. isn't fair, and I need to take a Stanford. Is that all part of the principles that make up Logan Mankins? Oh, yeah, definitely. And technically, we called a holdout, but it wasn't a holdout because I wasn't right. a Right, you weren't signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. really, Absolutely. I, right. I didn't refuse to come to work. I just chose not to be on a team yet. Right. Uh, and it was all about money and all that stuff, but... Was that hard for you, Logan, to do that? Oh, yeah. It was, it was hard at first until I made up my mind. And then once my mind was made up, it was easy because I'm very stubborn when it comes to stuff like that. So it, it, I didn't want to do it. Like, I, I hated it came to that situation. I did not want to do that. But I felt that, uh, to me personally, I felt that was the right thing to do. So maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But to me... It was, so I, that's why I did it. You'll be glad to know that your buddy Andy Hart and I never called it a holdout just for <laughs> that you. exact reason that you just said. <laughs> right. we, we were very much pro pro player in that stance. And and the fact that that changed, do you feel, I, I'm not saying that you know you were the impetus behind it or anything like that, but 
part of you happy now for the future players that maybe that's something that they, you know, in the negotiation that helped work to their favor? Uh, possibly. The the money right now is, I thought it was crazy when I played. It's out of control now. It's right. awesome for the players. Uh, but that's what every other older player says. Guys 10 years before me thought I was getting paid crazy money. But, Got it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Each guy has to do what they feel is right for them personally and everyone's different and some guys are stronger minded than other people so it just all depends on who you are all right you talk about the old man uh status then i don't know how much football you watch today i think to the lay person and i would consider paul and i both the lay kind of person you look at offensive line play around the league it just doesn't seem like it's as good as it was maybe in years gone by do you agree with that uh i haven't watched it close enough to say that but i do watch some of it, and uh, I don't feel it's as physical. I see uh, – I've talked to people that are still playing coaches, and they're like, a lot of the things you guys used to do, you get, you would get ejected for now. So, like, we used to blindside everyone. <laughs> like, I was – I did watch the game where David Andrews got uh, oh, yeah. blindsided. Oh, yeah. And that was legal when I played. Right. Like, we ran down the field looking on interceptions for D-linemen because we knew they were coming because we did it to them a few plays before. Right, <laughs> right. So – but uh, those kind of plays are outlawed now, and we used to do that on a consistent basis or diving into people's knees and all that stuff. So it's a lot different now. When you look back, um, the 07 season, obviously, bittersweet for everybody. Um, do you feel like the team sort of ran out of gas, just the sort of the pressure of being unbeaten kind of caught up to you? Uh, possibly. I was still so young, only in my third year. I was just – happy to be playing football and just don't but we had so many older guys that uh really knew and understood football at that time and maybe they they did i know it was a very uh i guess you call it stressful season well as the year went on it got more stressful and more pressure on you not just from not to lose but like bill that year had his foot on the gas pedal Every game felt like when we'd watch film, like we lost the game and we would beat someone by 40 or 20 or, mm -hmm. and then you'd come in and it'd feel like you lost the game. But uh, I didn't feel burned out by the end of the year. We just didn't play. Well, I know me and the offensive line, we didn't play good enough that game. And usually if the O-line doesn't play good, you don't win. So that's how it goes a lot of times. When you look back at that, Logan, and you say, you know, it felt like a loss, even though you're trashing teams yeah how did that manifest like in the in the film room when you're looking at it and stuff like that does that motivate you or do you have to have a special kind of mentality to like look at i know what he's trying to do here he's looking for almost literally perfection yeah. on these plays does that help drive you to be a better player oh definitely and our our offensive line coach dante he said we're not going to be perfect but we're going to strive for it every game and every practice so he preached that already and as an old lineman, you could have 80 great blocks on the 81st play. You give up a sack, and that's all everyone talks about. And you had a horrible game, right? So, it's uh, we're we're used to that as old linemen that one bad play ruins it all. So you got to be perfect on all of them, unless it was always best when you had a play and you got beat by someone, and fortunately you were running the ball the other way or something, and it didn't affect the play at all. Do you think? Um, and this is another great fan debate it would have been better for them to lose, you know, and then you get that monkey off your back. 
did you enjoy the pursuit of perfection? Yeah, I loved it. When we squeaked out the win, what was that week 17 in New York when we went by three or something? Yeah. I was so happy we won that to keep it alive. Because so. then after that, you only have, what, three more games to win? Uh, I wouldn't change it. Well, I'd change that we lost the last game, but the rest of the season I wouldn't change. Uh, people are like, I have a lot of people say, don't you wish you just lost the AFC championship and didn't get there? And No, nah, I'll take the shot. If we lose, we lose, but I'll take the shot of winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell this all the time, being on all those plane rides back and forth, you'd be hard-pressed. Matt, you and I talk about this all the time. You'd be hard-pressed to ever know based on the mentality of the players, the, the, the interaction on a way home if you guys won or lost. Mm -hmm. You guys were just business-like. There's one huge exception, and that was the Indianapolis game that year in 07. Yeah. We came, I think, right. 10 down in the fourth quarter, two touchdowns uh, to beat uh, the, the undefeated Colts, and you guys went crazy. On that on that flight home, another one bites the dust was going. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Lonnie might have had that uh, cranked up. It, it was amazing to me how businesslike you were otherwise, mm -hmm. and then to see that like oh, this really was a big game. It wasn't just like the next game. You know, well, you know, maybe on to Cincinnati. It wasn't like that. Yeah, you could see it with with the mentality of the team, and then I felt like that kind of carried you through the rest of that regular season. To your point, it it did mean a lot to go unbeaten. Oh, it did. And like you said, that game against Manning and the Colts, we always we had a, such a big rivalry, and for both of us to be undefeated that late in the season and to get that win was big. Did you enjoy that rivalry, Logan? I mean, you were talking about you know we were only a young player there, still mm. in your third year or something. But did you get a sense of, oh, this isn't your everyday ordinary NFL game when you're playing those guys? Yeah, especially. Well, I first came in, we started. We were playing them every year because we we're both division winners, right? So. And then my second year, we had to go lose to them in the AFC Championship game, which we would have won that Super Bowl for sure. But Absolutely. Uh, that was a heartbreaker losing that game. I was a second-year guy sitting on the sideline going, holy crap, I don't know where we went by 21 or something. I was like, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. And then we crapped the bed the second half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe we lost that game. Those in particular. So, they had one three in a row. And then, well, not three in a row. They had one three, and then they went three mm -hmm. after you. Like, is that the hole in the resume? Is that do you do you have? Oh yeah. You look back. Uh, people ask me all the time, and I'm like, yeah. I wish I would have won a Super Bowl, but at the end of the day, I try to tell like my family members, would that make me a better dad or husband? Or now I want to be a farmer. Now, would it change my life at all? No. Did I want to win one? I tried my absolutely hardest to win one, but it just didn't work out. And then, as you said, you know, in 06, you're going to beat Chicago if you don't blow oh, that yeah. lead. Oh, no question. 07, you're 30 seconds away from perfection. Yeah. So it's not like you weren't on teams. You know, some guys play their whole career. You know, Joe Thomas, you know, another yeah. tremendous offensive lineman, plays his whole career in Cleveland. He never had a sniff. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, I'm sure he would have liked to have won a Super Bowl. He never came close. Mm -hmm. It. You know, you were on teams that had a lot of success. Yeah, I had, I came close a lot, bunch of times, bunch of AFC championship games, and lost two Super Bowls. So, uh, I I would give up, I don't know, some accolades. I'd give up all my accolades to win a Super Bowl, but those, I only got those because I was a decent player. But 
other than that, I I don't know. It wouldn't change anything for me now, so I'm okay. I'm content without winning the Super Bowl. Isn't it? You know, you talked about things that you tell your family members, okay? In life, you're going to get knocked down. Oh, yeah. It's how you get up or don't get up yep. that really defines you, you know? So if you're going to sit there in your room and suck your thumb because you <laughs> lost, you know, to the Giants, what you know? What kind of person are you? Does that help you as a as a parent? You know, as say, I live this. Yeah. You know, now what do you do about it? Oh, it's so true. And if that's the worst thing that happens during my life, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like, there's so many things that people go through way worse on a daily basis than losing. It's your livelihood and your career and what you're striving for. But at the end of the day, it's it's still a game and. So many people are going through way worse things. So you just got to remember the, those kind of things. Perspective. Yeah, perspective. Right? We, talk, we talked a little bit about the Colts. Um, Ravens, I think we brought up. Which, yep. would, you know, any any team in particular that you were like, oh, that was the rival. That was the one that I oh, I always hated beating. Pittsburgh. I hated the Jets and the Ravens. And that's because we played them every year, and they had good players on defense. So, What about Channing Crowder? Yeah, we didn't like him either. <laughs> I was going to get to my individuals. One of my all-time great Logan Mankins post-game uh, meetings in the locker room, I believe Matt Light <laughs> had his way a little bit with with, with Channing Crowder. Yeah. And, and I was asking you, so what happened? Because I don't know. I just looked up and I, I saw Matt pounding him on the head. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> it was, me and Light always had an understanding. There was The only words spoken were, be ready. And he wasn't usually next to me on field goal and i look and he that year he wasn't because that was the year he had like a broken hand or something so he had this cast on his hand to begin with and he's lining up next to me and i'm like what the heck's matt doing he's like be ready <laughs> so i'm like walking i look over and matt's like pulling his helmet off and then trying oh, yeah. to hit him on the head with his cast and then it turned into a whole melee. So, <laughs> and yet, you see that smirk on his face? That's how he told the story <laughs> to yeah. me in the post game. It's like, yeah, you just pounded on him on his head. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But Crowder, he had been he'd been antagonizing Matt the whole game, and we were beating him pretty good by then. So Matt just lost, lit the fuse a little bit, and lost it. And Matt was always he was a great teammate too. I remember we played Detroit one year. I don't know if it was on Thanksgiving or not. But me and Sue had been fighting the whole game, and it came time for field goal. And I just, that year Matt was next to me on field goal. And I just said, get ready. And I knew, I jumped, Sue came low on the field goal, I jumped back and I was pulling his helmet off. And I looked to my side and Matt's just punching him in the ribs as hard as he can and as fast as he can. No Those call. are the kind of teammates you want. Right, right. There. absolutely, absolutely. And that was even better because the referees only threw a penalty on Sue, no one else. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, do, I mean this with no disrespect to a guy like Channing Crowder and Sue. Oh, yeah. Sue's, Sue's still playing today, which yeah. you must amazing. be amazed at, and he right? Was, I, uh, I have no problems with Sue. He's an awesome player. That's just how I played football, and he played it, so he, he would have done the same thing to me, so I'm not worried about it. Who are the people, Logan, when you think about it, when you knew that you were going to play them that week, that you said, I better put more time in, I better study more, I better get my body even more right? Who are the guys that gave you the most difficult times? Uh, there was Sue's number one at that. You you had to be ready. It was always a long, hard day, and he played hard, and he was he was a special, strong guy, and uh, you he was you had to be ready for that game. Uh, there was numerous other guys. When I played against Richard in Oakland, he was 
he was still a very good player then. And of course, that was the game, the first time playing New England. So he was going like 5 million miles an hour. He was wanting yep. to kill us for trading him. Uh, who else? Albert Hainsworth in his early career was so good. And then he just, I don't know, he got paid and just quit. But his first like five years, whew, he was special. Mm. Uh, I got to play Aaron Donald his first two years in the league. And just his athletic ability is phenomenal for someone inside at a three technique. He's special, special talent. But I watch now and I see some of these guys there. There's just so many good athletes that are so big now. It's it's pretty amazing. So I wanted to get back to that Tom Brady thing that you mentioned, you know, just kind of getting to know him when mm -hmm. you got here. Uh, he certainly knew who you were because when you got dealt to Tampa, uh, I don't know how much of this you know. I'm mm -hmm. sure you talked to him privately. Uh, it was basically a wildcat strike. Yeah. Tom Brady grew a beard like yours, <laughs> and he was not happy for a long time. Right. Um, how good did that make you feel, like to, to know that you had that kind of respect from, from a guy like that? Oh, great. Uh, Tom's so well respected, so to be respected by him was always great. And he knew how much the team in football meant to me. And I wasn't just here collecting a check. That it, I actually was doing all I could to make the team better, make myself better, to win football games. And I knew I'd be missed. Uh, the day I got traded, there ended up being a, a big party at my house that night and and I didn't throw it just a lot of guys came over and we we tore it up pretty good that night and so it, it was good to know that uh I meant something to most of those guys that I mean when you get kicked in the in the in the privates like that but to know that you have the support of the people that you were going to battle with every single day yeah it probably doesn't take the sting away but it makes you feel like maybe you were doing the right thing if you had because you were saying earlier, you know, all you ask for is the respect out of your teammates. That's what yeah. you're playing for, right? Yeah. Yeah, your teammates and your coaches. I always wanted to make my coaches happy and earn their respect. So, but I, I, I knew there was a possibility I could get traded. There's, There always is. And we had had discussions on things, and uh, we just couldn't come to a mutual agreement. And then that was one of the possibilities, so. I have no hard feelings on it. It's a business. Right, right. You know, you mentioned, you know, still seeing Sue play. You can still watch Tom play. <laughs> Crazy. Are you, are you surprised? Yeah. Did you think when you were here that something like that, was he talking about it then? Did you think that, could you even entertain the fact that this guy would be playing into his mid-40s? I didn't think he'd be playing that long, but before I left, he was definitely in his taking care of his body trend and uh, his new those new workout regimens and all that stuff. So, uh, but the the amazing thing is he's still going and he still plays very well. And it's I I I couldn't go that long. I was done mentally. At, I think I retired at 33, and my body was fine. I could have kept playing, but mentally I just wanted to do something else. Was part of that Tampa, just sort of not being in the mix anymore, or was it just that you had? You'd had enough. Well, that, that did play into it. That's probably what wore me out mentally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I went sense. to Tampa my first year, and it was just a shit show. They had a new coach, a new GM, and they were trying to rebuild. And there was just so many p people in that building that – not building, but locker room – that just didn't care. They were just on a team to be on the team. So the second year, they got rid of at least a third of those 
or a third of the team and brought in guys that they found guys that cared and the second year was so much better we I think we only won six games but just the effort and the uh, the change of people caring and getting guys that wanted to play football they might not have been as talented but they did the right things they worked hard they studied they were where they were supposed to be they might not have been able to make the 99 yard touchdown but they'd get you down there in five or six plays so uh, it's not all about being the best athlete it's you got to be able to put in you got to be smart study because everyone's good so and you got to be where your, your teammates expect you to be do you think that that's why you clicked here, Logan, is because the things that maybe people can't put their finger on, the study time, the caring, mm-hmm. um, the doing the little things and the extra things, the, the details, the fundamentals, that's what this program, those are kind of the tenets yeah. that this program's built on, and that's what you believe. Well, I fit in perfect. I love to hear. Uh, I laugh when those guys say New England's a no-fun team or something. We had a blast. We were... <laughs> See, Bill. You had a pretty good group, though, don't you think? I yeah, mean, we you, had had a, a, you had an unbelievable Tremendous group. Yeah. Uh, fun guys. We worked hard and we played hard. We had fun together, and we, but we worked hard together. And I always said, Bill doesn't care if you joke around and have fun, but you better be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You better not be screwing up at practice, screwing up in the games, late to anything. If you do everything you're supposed to do, then you're allowed to have fun and joke around and do dumb things at practice and in the locker room. But then when your num- play's called, you better not screw up out there. So, And, and you knew that 72 had your back or 67 had your yeah. back or 61 had your back. You guys were close, and you held each other accountable, didn't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. We, we worked out together. We ran together. We, uh, we did stick together. There was one year uh, – so when we would run, the uh, we would always stick together on the sprints. And we were all pretty good uh, guys at running. We could run pretty good. And uh, <laughs> one year during OTAs, Bill starts yelling at us because we're all in a line just running. He's like, you guys, I know, Neil, you're faster than so-and-so, and Megan, you're faster than him. You guys should be ahead of him. Light, you should be up there passing everyone. And Light just keeps saying, don't break the- don't break. We stick together. Band <laughs> Don't of brothers. break. Band of brothers. <laughs> so the next one we run. Light. We stay in the same line, and Bill's getting pissed. And then pretty soon, Bill tells everyone else to stop running. Now it's just the old line. We have to run and stick <laughs> and stay. To, and we stayed together the whole time. I don't know how many extra ones we had to run, but the whole time, lights going hold, hold. <laughs> <laughs> and no one broke though. We stuck together. So finally, Bill gave up and let the team leave. Like Herb Brooks again, right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But that was just like he loved to do stuff like that. He's like, we got to stick together, no one break. <laughs> do you still? You t- it sounds like you're still uh, in touch with with Matt. Yeah, I still see Matt. Any uh, any other teammates? Yeah, Copen still. He lives right down in Ro- yep. Rhode Island. Uh, Russ Hochstein lives in the same town as I do. Lights in Foxborough still. So I see those guys that are around the area and still talk to a few others. Still get together for barbecues? On the- Not as much anymore. So my kids are older now, and uh, Light's kids are older. But the other guys, their kids are still, still young, and they're running around like crazy. So not as much as we used to. Everybody's busy, right? 
And I mean, yeah. I don't mean that. I don't mean that, that as a busy everybody's busy, yeah. busy with life, yeah. right? It's crazy how busy you can get. And now it seems like I don't remember this when I was a kid, but my kids sign up for every sport that's available. I'm like, do we have to sign up for everything? Like, can we take a season off on something? But no, you're just year round sports. It feels like driving kids everywhere. You know, we started this off and I was uh, busted Paul's balls about, you know, being that parent in, in the stands. Do you like being in the stands? Do you enjoy watching your kid and watching him play? It's such a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah, I do. Uh, so I coached my boys in football 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And then when they get to high school, I stop. And But I, I was offered to coach at the high school, and I told them I just want to be a fan and sit and watch and enjoy watching them. And and then I told him I could complain about his coaching. So, <laughs> But, no, I just like watching them. We talk about stuff after the game on what they should have done, just like every other day. Yeah, yeah. Logan? Thanks for stopping by, man. All right. It's a lot Perfect. of fun. Perfect. A lot of fun. Nothing else? That's it. Those are easy ones to do. Yeah. Right no. we, tr- we, we aim to <laughs> What else you got? Yeah. yeah. We're still, you can still roll. What do you got? Uh, what do you want to share? You guys have the questions. <laughs> no, I think, I, think we, I think we touched on everything yeah. we wanted. Logan, thanks for coming in, man. No, thanks Our for having me. Excellent. Our guest was Logan Mankins on this episode of Pat from the Past. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.